Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by super nutritious, super delicious Aloha Protein Powder. Get through the holiday rush with a rush of pure, energizing plant-based protein. Choose from chocolate or vanilla blends for 18 delicious grams of protein power built from the very best whole food ingredients. Enter promo code ALOHA20 on aloha.com to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through December 31st, 2015. This episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. Here at Nomad Athlete, we care about what we put in our bodies, but as anyone who favors whole organic foods knows, good food can get expensive. Enter Thrive Market, an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries for up to 50% off retail price and shipped all over the United States for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash athlete to start your free two-month trial and get 15% off your first order. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Meet Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio episode 119. Today's a special one. We've got a great guest interview, and we've also got the amazing Doug Hay as usual. <laughs> That's right, but I'm not, I don't think I'm as special as the interview. Yeah, you're not a doctor. No, don't have a book. No, you don't donate all your proceeds from speaking and books to charity. No, I don't. But when you have a book and when you start speaking... I think I you're will. probably going to donate 100% of proceeds, 100%, right? 100%, no doubt. That's yeah. something you would do. Yeah. Good. Okay. To an environmental group. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, so if you were watching on Periscope recently, you just saw Doug's nostrils as we, <laughs> as we tested out our first ever Periscope video and people started joining. We had no idea that they would. I guess maybe that makes us seem old or something or out of date, but people just started... 22 people were suddenly watching, and then my mom texted and said, you guys are live, and then our sponsor emailed, and all kinds of things happened. People contacted us on Twitter. It was was embarrassing. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It was like a close-up on my face, and I don't even know what I was saying. And all of a sudden, the numbers were like, (laughs) of viewers were just, you know, just moving up by the millisecond. And I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) But But that's proof that we are testing this, and pretty soon we're going to be, uh, we're going to be broadcasting some podcast stuff live on periscope it's not going to be replacements for our itunes episodes uh but but the this is probably less uh edited versions of us recording either partial episodes or full episodes so it should be fun good reason to check out periscope if you haven't yet um seems like a pretty cool platform yeah i think so. my mom's using it to watch some of tony robbins uh date with destiny event oh he's periscoping little little tidbits here and there cool <laughs> so, so there you go Okay, so let's get to Dr. Greger. He is the man behind nutritionfacts.org, which uh, is an often cited website in our community. It just he puts videos out, I think one every day, I believe, and they're always just really well researched. He approaches everything like a true scientist. Really, really tries to keep the ethical stuff out of it. And in fact, we talk about that in the interview because he has become more ethically motivated uh, after coming to this as a doctor who was really only in it for the health. Mm-hmm. Um, but also his his site itself is a nonprofit. As I mentioned, he donates his speaking fees and his book proceeds. Uh, so he, he is in this for to, to get the truth and to spread this message because of health reasons. It seems who, that's who does he his, donate to? Do you know? I don't know, and I don't know if that is known. Oh, okay. But uh, he does work for the Humane Society of the United States. That's his day job. He's the director of public health and animal agriculture, and... I don't, all this stuff offline is, I don't quite, he talks about in the interview, the difference between his work there and his work that he does online. 
um, it's it's studying different types of diseases by day versus by night, and it's it's interesting. I mean, it's amazing the amount of stuff that he does. He speaks, I don't know, sixty times a year or something. Uh, so he's speaking at lots of the big events that you see. He also he's on the cruise, the uh, Holistic Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise. Uh, so he and I will both be there. It's uh, in end of February this year. So we are really looking forward to that. If you are interested in coming to that, it's at atasteofhealth.org. You can go there, see who's speaking, sign up. And when you do that, mention that you were referred by No Meat Athlete or Matt Frazier. And you can save, I think you get a $50 onboard credit if it's your first time on the cruise. Sweet. It's a lot of pina coladas, Doug. That's... Actually, it's not that many pina coladas on <laughs> no, the cruise. Probably like two <laughs> pina coladas. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, the cruise is awesome, though. Uh, I do want to just really suggest that you come it's a lot of fun we loved it last year and uh we will again this year i've had two people ask if i'm coming this oh yeah reach out to me and ask if i'm going i'm not unfortunately not. Doug will not be there but hopefully in but the if future, he were sometime. he would donate his onboard credit to charity or whatever right. whatever free yeah. whatever perks he got he would donate to charity yep uh yeah we, <laughs> we need to reach out to those cruise people and get you on there i think i think you'd be a good fit on there we could periscope we could periscope from the cruise and you don't have to go as a speaker i mean the first time i went last year as not as a speaker just just a blogger, kind of promoted it a little bit, went, mm-hmm. tweeted from it, things like that. Anyway. All right, so look at the, the interview. Uh, one thing to note, one interesting tidbit, Doug, actually three interesting tidbits, is that without even trying, I got him to win our argument from last time for me about metabolism not being something that you want to speed up, but rather something that you want to slow down. You're so an eye argument. Yes. You, <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't even ask him. He just met he, just he went into it. You were like, man, I was, just, I was right. I was just smiling as he said it. Yeah, I was just oh, like, man. I want this. And a long time ago, I talked about living forever and the idea of how cool that is and how we're not that far from there. And you, that's when you thought I had gone off the deep end. Uh, I did ask him about that because his book is called How How Not to Die. Uh-huh. And if you listen to Rich Roll's podcast with him, there was a discussion in the beginning about whether it should have been called How to Not Die, which is different because <laughs> How Not to Die is here are all the ways you don't want to die. So let's, let's avoid them and instead just have a nice, you know, regular natural causes death. Right. How to not die would be, how do you not ever die? Right. So I asked him about that and um, asked about what he thinks about the idea of not ever dying. <laughs> and he's into it. I mean, he, he said 50 years, he thought it was no. totally reasonable. He, he has some good examples and, you know, I, the future is going to be any prediction of the future. If it's not drastically different from how it is now, if it doesn't seem ridiculous, then it's not right. So that's like a minimum criteria for prediction about the future. It has to seem ridiculous to be have a chance of being correct. This is this is taking away all the factors like war and global warming and all the other things that are going to kill us, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Those, so this is just this is like somewhat different health. than that. But but that stuff too, I you know you could you could make the argument that the advances that get us to live forever, it, if we're if we're making that stuff happen, we're probably going to be okay with global warming. We'll probably have figured that out as well. And we'll probably have figured out war stuff and shields and all that stuff. <laughs> would be my guess. I don't know. We'll I see, Doug. Know. When you and I are eighty, things are going to be a lot different, and I'm going to be laughing because <laughs> I'm going to be dying, and you'll be yeah, because you won't have taken care of yourself in preparation for living forever. <laughs> And I'm going to wave goodbye to you, and, and you'll say, have a nice life. When that conversation happens, we'll have to periscope it. Definitely. I'm sure a periscope will still be huge then. <laughs> yeah. I did not, however, get him to say that exercise was not important for long-term health. Oh, good. That was, I'm, that was I'm, one I'm, of my <laughs> uh, You'll listen during the episode. You'll hear footsteps the whole time and some dogs. I don't know how to explain the dogs. But 
footsteps the entire time, and that is him on his treadmill desk. Yeah. He walks 17 miles a day. Whoa. Just, just at, his, at his desk. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It made me think that my little balance board thing is not, not a big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, that means that would, that would kind of show the importance of exercise, right? Yeah. He, he, it's that important to him that he thinks you should do that. And he's a doctor. And he's a doctor. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you didn't get all three of those right. <laughs> yes, I know. I was I was really hoping. <laughs> okay, so it's a good interview. One of my favorites that I've done actually. Um, I feel like sometimes I'm an awkward interviewer, and I and I speak quickly, and I I think my mind kind of races from one topic to another, and it kind of felt like he he did the exact same thing. So it, <laughs> it went really well in that way, and I'm not not in a bad way. So it was it, double it, awkward, or no? It it like he he got my. Uh, my pace and my mm, the way mm. that I I guess frantically do interviews. Okay, well, good. Well, I'm excited to listen to it because yeah. I haven't heard it yet. Oh, I'm sure you'll listen to it in its entire, entirety, right? Absolutely. Like you do every interview that you edit. Man, I am really excited about this one. I am <laughs> good. I am definitely going to listen to this. One. Okay, good. So enjoy the interview, and uh, we'll be back with a full Matt and Doug episode next time. All right. Wait, it's Matt. I'm still here. I realized that I forgot to leave a spot in the interview where it was convenient for Doug to insert our thanking of our sponsors, so we're going to take the time to do that now before we get to Dr. Greger's interview. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Aloha. The holidays are approaching fast. Keep them outpaced with 18 energizing, muscle-building grams of plant-based protein. Aloha protein powder is filled with the very best whole food ingredients like organic peas, hemp, and pumpkin seeds that keep you going all season long. And best of all, Doug, Aloha is the best protein powder I've ever tasted because it's not sweetened with stevia like so many other vegan protein powders. It's sweetened with real apple juice and coconut sugar, and I actually appreciate that. Yeah, I do too. And for an extra boost of whole food, whole body, happy, healthy holiday energy, add Aloha Daily Good Greens to the mix. Just choose one of three delicious blends, chocolate, berry, or original, and pour into your favorite water, juice, smoothie, or dressing. You'll get a full serving of fruit and veggie goodness and a huge burst of energy. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Visit Aloha.com and enter protein code ALOHA20 to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through December 31st, 2015. And this episode is also brought to you by Thrive Market. We all know that healthy eating is part of becoming a better person. So if you're anything like me, you care a lot about the food that you put in your body. The problem is that good food can be extremely expensive, but it doesn't have to be. ThriveMarket.com is the Costco meets Whole Foods online. It's an online shopping club offering the best brands and groceries up to 50% off retail prices, shipped nationally for free. You can easily filter by your preferences, gluten-free, vegan, raw, non-GMO, organic, even fair trade. They even have the best non-toxic household, beauty, pet, and baby products on the market. I just ordered a pack of vegan beef jerky and I am super pumped to try it out. But what I love about Thrive Market the most is their charitable mission. For every paid membership, Thrive Market donates a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, student, or veteran. It's truly a great cause. To start saving now, go to thrivemarket.com slash athlete to start your free 30-day trial and get 20% off your first order. Hey, I'm with Dr. Michael Greger, author of the new book, How Not to Die, and someone that I have personally become really interested in and followed online uh, and actually met last year on the uh, Holistic Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise. So, Michael, thank you for joining us on the Nomi Athlete Radio Podcast. I'm excited to be here. You're going to be on the cruise again next year? I sure will. Yeah, you too, right? 
Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Good. So anyone listening, if you want to come hang out, then uh, that's one way to do All right. it. I'll meet you in the jacuzzi. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the book really quickly. Uh, I mean, actually, the whole interview is going to be based around it, but I do want to just talk about specifically the book uh, because it's interesting. It's impressive in its size, first of all. I mean, it's it's a huge book, six hundred pages, maybe what four hundred or so without the notes. Um, uh, yeah. But I love that they're in there. I think it's it's re- it just makes it adds as a huge layer of legitimacy. Uh, so really cool. It's not a diet book, though, right? I mean, this is not. I've leafed through it some. I have not. I've admittedly read all four hundred pages yet. Um, but you know, there's, there's the 12, the, the Dr. Gregor's daily dozen. Um, so some food recommendations, but, but you, this is not a diet book. And is that because do we not need a diet book? Do we just need the information in this, in this sort of scientific manner? Well, I, I mean, diet, I don't, I mean, I don't like the word diet because diet implies it's something you go on and then you go off of. I mean, we really need a lifestyle. I mean, you need to eat in a way that you can need for the rest of your life. Um, and, you know, it's not about, uh, you know, bikini season. It's about, you know, what can we eat for the rest of our lives to best maintain our health and longevity. And so, um, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it's all about nutrition and what to eat, but not in some kind of, uh, you know, do it for six weeks and then eat whatever the hell you want. Right. So, but do you think in that, the lifestyle approach, do you think we need the structure that that diet books provide or is it enough to say make sure you eat these 12 foods and main pretty much only these foods and like that's it um well that seems a little limiting to me i mean there are certainly some guidelines of the healthier food i mean there, i try to make the point in the book that there's no such thing as healthy healthy foods unhealthy foods there are just healthier foods and less healthy foods. I mean, food has an opportunity cost. It's, it's kind of a zero-sum game. And every time you put something in your mouth, it's a lost opportunity to put something healthier in your mouth. And so, you know, when someone asks me, well, it, you know, are eggs healthy or not? You know, I mean, the only real answer to that is, well, compared to what? Mm. Um, compared to the sausage, the processed meat links next to it on the breakfast buffet, eggs are healthy. Next to the oatmeal on the other side, they're ter- they're not unhealthy. They're unhealthy. I mean, it's like well, you know. Um, so, um, it's not like there's some like superfoods that you got to have in your diet, but there's certainly some guidelines as to you know I you know uh, uh, in general, um, uh, plant foods are healthier than animal foods in general. Less processed foods are better than processed foods. There are exceptions, um, exceptions to um, both of those. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I talk about, all right, well, here are the really the healthiest things. So the more of these foods we can include in our diet and less of these other foods, the healthier we're going to be. But there's no, it's not like, you're right, there isn't kind of like a rigid thing. There's no like, you know, carb counting, calorie counting, portion control, any of that. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, stick to these kind of basic guidelines. And, uh, you know, that's the best science we have so far as to, you know, reduce our risk of these uh, causes of premature death and disability. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that whole, that philosophy. And uh, one one part in the book that really exemplifies that for me was you gave an example of, of a patient, or maybe not a patient, maybe just a, a, someone you were talking to, uh, and he said, I'd love to, to kind of eat plant-based, but I could never give up my mother's chicken soup. And and you said, well, don't. Like, <laughs> you don't have to do that. It's right? like, well, yeah, don't, duh. Like, what are you, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, it just it just seems so foreign to me. 
as if there's like these like you know like secret handshake rules or just some like weird like that's not how the body works right, right? that's right. not how i mean that's not how biology or science works this isn't i mean that's almost kind of like from a like a religious thing well there's like god said don't do this and then it's like well there's no like you know there's no room for you know there's no gray zone there but you know when we're talking about science it's like you know uh you know the, there's the, we can make all sorts of choices and most and when it comes to food and other kind of things that are bad for us it's mostly a kind of a dose response relationship so i mean it doesn't really matter what you eat on your birthday or holidays or stuff it's really the week to week stuff that adds up and, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, some will say, oh, I, I just could never give up, you know, well, no chicken wings or something. I'm like, well, I mean, just think how much healthier you'd be if you got rid of all junk in your life except for chicken wings. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, my God, you stop drinking soda, you stop, you know, it's like, but it's almost like the chicken wings are an excuse to be like, well, I'm not going to make any changes. Like, <laughs> how does that work? It's like I could never give up pepperoni pizza. Okay, well... I mean, but then why with the pepperoni pizza are you eating all that other crap? <laughs> right. It's like, right. I mean, only if someone says, I could never give up anything. I could never eat anything out. Like, I could never change my diet at all. In which case, I say, good luck to you. You know, uh, let me tell you about exercise. <laughs> right, right. So, I, I mean, obviously that comes because it's it's the diet that you generally are recommending is one that is mostly or completely plant-based. Um so people, you know, then then make the jump to to from plant based to veganism, which kind of has the ethical connotations, and for many people, including myself, the need to be a hundred percent about it in order to to feel okay about what you're eating. Um, I'm wondering about that for you because I know, of course, you work for the Humane Society of the United States. Um, are you are you in this for the ethical reasons as well? I mean, I imagine that you are, right? I mean, for the for the animal rights and and just general treatment of animals. Well, the, not initially. I mean, at first, I mean, it was all, you know, I talk about uh, in the preface, you know, I talk about kind of where this all came from. And it's this remarkable story about my grandma getting cured by Nathan Pritikin, one of these early lifestyle medicine pioneers. Um, and so for me, I mean, it was all, I mean, it was all about health. But since then, uh, particularly since I came on board with the, um, the Humane Society of the United States about 10 years ago, and I've been learning about um, some of the way animals are treated in our food system, well, that just adds extra motivation, right? And, you know, I found that to be particularly useful for younger crowds. Like, so, you know, normally, you know, when I give presentations at Grand Rounds or community groups, yeah, I'm talking about heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, you know, all the really significant, you know, disease in the Middle East. But kids don't, I mean, that doesn't, they just kind of glaze over. So for, you know, for young people, I got to talk about acne and athletic performance and, you know, sexual function and, you know, things that they may care about a little better, a little more. But one thing that uh, the youth of today are just rabid about um, is, you know, concern about the environment, concern about global warming, concern about animal welfare. And so, you know, if I can bring that in and be like, I mean, have you seen how some of the animals are treated? And it's like, I don't care if they stop eating hot dogs because they worry about colorectal cancer or they stop eating hot dogs because there's a really cute little piglet looking up at the camera going, why me? You know, I mean, it's like they're, they're, their colon does not give a damn. 
Um, uh, you know, but as a physician, my primary, you know, duty is to my patients. Um, and so that's kind of where I come at it. But I am not beyond using any means necessary. Like I'll talk about uh, appearance, physical appearance. I'll talk about, you know, the rosy glow that comes with increased blood flow, the golden glow that comes from eating carotenoid consumption, eating fruits and vegetables. You know, you get that beta carotene lodged in your skin and you just look healthy. There's studies show Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, there's, uh, you know, increased physical attractiveness um, with fruit and vegetable consumption that comes from that. People just prefer that. It's a look of health. And look, if that's what gets people to, to um, you know, to eat some dark green leafy vegetables, uh, you know, I'm just, I just want them to get healthy. Good, good. So, I mean, on that, related to that, you're at nutritionfacts.org, which of course is your website, um, and, and even with this book, I mean, there's not, there's not advertising. I believe you, it's, you donate all of your, uh, you know, speaker fees and, and book sales, not sales, but the, the royalties and, and whatever proceeds come um from this and you're not selling products and you're not having advertising i mean so so it's very clear that i think part of the reason you do that is not to cloud the the message that you're in this to find the truth uh and then to share that truth so i mean does it do you think that being part of the main society you know even if it doesn't introduce a bias for you and i've heard you talk about confirmation bias so that that's a very hard thing to avoid um you know, does it draw criticism from people saying, well, we can't really trust what he's saying because he, he works for this ethically motivated organization? Um, uh, I mean, I, I think I've got a little of that. I mean, I do, mostly it's just like they don't understand like what the connection is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're like, well, wait a second, what does that have to do with the Humane Society? And I'm like, well... You know, I mean, so I, I mean, I talk about zoonotic disease and, you know, mad cows, swine flu, bird flu, you know, uh, talk about some of these food safety issues in terms of, of foodborne illness. I mean, you know, how we treat animals can have, you know, serious global public health implications. Sure. Um, and, you know, and so as at the HSUS, I've been able to you know, write extensively on these zoonotic, these animal to human diseases um, and, you know, tie in all these various things. But... You know that uh, you know it shouldn't detract from the you know my chronic disease work, um, but I mean look look at the science. I mean I I mean I challenge anyone who's you know uh, concerned about you know bias to be like all right. I mean that's why I mean you go to nutritionfacts.org, you look at a video. It's not me saying something. It's like there's the, here's the paper, here's the quotes, here's the graphs, here's the charts, here's the link. To the article, you can download it, read it yourself. Here's the PDF, read it yourself, right? I mean, do, you know, did I, maybe I misinterpreted it. Maybe there's another body of evidence I wasn't aware of. Please let me know. Like, um, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to starting a blog post, what I got wrong and how not to die. I haven't started it yet because no one's pointed anything out yet. But <laughs> we had about a team of about a dozen fact checkers go through it. Um, I take that very seriously. I'm sure I got loads of stuff wrong. I, I haven't found any anything yet, but um, as soon as I do, it'll go up, and we'll continue to update it, and we'll improve for future editions. And but that's just how the scientific process works. Things change. I mean, people come to me and say, "Look, ten years ago you said this. I saw you ten years ago, and you said eat this way." I'm like, "You obviously. I mean, if you're saying the same thing you did ten years ago, then you haven't been keeping up with the science. Like, I mean, it's a vibrant field, and we learn stuff every day." I mean, you know, and so, I don't know, I mean, and, but that's almost like, 
so you don't know what you're talking about because you keep changing. It's like, I mean, if we didn't do that, I'd, we'd still think that, you know, the sun revolves around the earth and, you know, the earth is flat and, you know, I mean, that's, that's just, a, just a, a basic misunderstanding of the scientific process. Uh-huh. Oh, I like that, and I think I think um, it, it's no secret that that uh, our movement, you know, the vegan plant based movement. Uh, I think I think we could use a lot more of that attitude towards science rather than the the you know the, the need to stick what what's with what you said or believed a few years ago. Um, you know, the kind of dogmatic thing. Um, I'm going to bring up something you mentioned about you talked about the younger crowd and them being more motivated by environmental things or animal things, or at least not that motivated by preventing chronic disease, which they're likely not going to have to worry about for many, many years. Um, I talked to our mutual friend, Ray Cronice, a few episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he brought up the issue of, we were talking about paleo versus plant-based and, and brought up, um, I think the word is fecundity, is that what it is? You know, uh-huh. the, you know be, that, that paleo, the way that it works, or in theory that it the reason it, it is, has become popular is that it it, it does it, it seems to I guess if it's followed in the truest sense uh, increase that sort of fecundity. I mean, it is it makes you strong and vibrant and, and good for you know ready to reproduce. Um, and at the same time, those those same the the foods that cause that and, and those perhaps those very changes in the body also tend to um, decrease longevity. Uh, well, I mean, so in general, there is this clash between fast growth and longevity. I mean, so all that matters, you know, for millions of years of our evolution, is, I mean, not all that matters, but the most important thing that matters is just living long, living to reproductive age so you can pass along your genes. Now, how do you sure. live for reproductive age? Well, number one is you don't starve to death. I mean, so we evolved in... Uh, an environment of scarcity, of famine. People died that literally did not have enough. I mean, basically, you drop yourself out in the woods and, you know, you can chew on pine needles and stuff. Um, there's lots of edible stuff around, but you got to get enough calories every day. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's serious business out there. Um, and, so, uh, and so basically, you know, if you airdropped some Twinkies, um, those cavemen and women would would kick every Neanderthal ass in the neighborhood um, because, I mean, so Twinkies would be like the healthiest thing ever because, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's a calorie-dense source. So, you know, anyone who starts eating animal brains and bone marrow, very, very um, uh, calorically dense foods, is going to improve their likelihood of living long enough to have sex and pass along their genes. Like, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what it was. That, I mean, that's the bottom line. And so, I mean, fat is precious. Sugar is precious. That's where all the calories are. Okay, now, you, I mean, you know, plunk that biology down to the modern world, and we got the opposite problem, right? We don't have disease of deficiency. We have disease of excess. Um, and so now, the most calorie-rich foods... Not necessarily the healthiest foods. Um, and so, um, you know, now all of a sudden we have to deal with the leading killers are chronic disease or heart disease and cancers. And so, okay, well, then um, those kind of similar uh, processes that just quick, you know, let's go all out until um, we get to reproductive age. Those enzyme systems like TOR, insulin like growth factor one, all these things. 
that just, you know, move us at, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour towards the finish line, um, uh, you know, puts a lot of strain on our um, on our body. I mean, you have this sense of like, oh, wouldn't it be, there's this thing, let's boost our metabolism. But actually, I mean, that's, the, for longevity, a boost of metabolism, that's not exactly, it's like, you know, there's a reason tortoises live a long time. It's like they just don't have a lot of, you know, and they live right. a lot longer than hummingbirds. I mean, it's just like, um, y- you know, we want to slow down our metabolism. We want to live nice, long, healthy lives. We don't want growth signaling once we've reached adult height. I mean, so now, you know, eating, you know, animal protein, for example, you get a boost in IGF-1 insulin-like growth factor. When it's a cancer-promoting hormone in adulthood. Um, because, I mean, what, what the only thing, the tissues that are, that are growing out of control are tumors at that point. Um, and so you take, um, you know, there's this um, congenital uh, growth hormone deficiency called Lerone syndrome where uh, you don't make IGF-1. And so they don't have enough when they're kids. And so they grow to a very, very short stature, just a few feet tall. But they're essentially immune from cancer because as adults, they have low IGF-1 levels. And so they don't get cancer. And so it's like, well, wait a second. Wouldn't it be great if we could have enough IGF-1 as kids to reach adult, normal adult height, but then switch it off, right? And then so let's have the cancer immunity. So let's have the benefits without the uh, the downsides. And guess what? We can by eating plant-based um, because we can, you know, we don't have the excess IGF-1 signaling. Uh, we don't have the methionine um, in such high levels. We don't have the leucine that turns on TOR, the kind of engine of aging enzyme. Um, and so, you know, we can, you know, we can ha- have our uh, sugar-free, oil-free cake and eat it too. Right. So where I was going, though, is, is that to say what you just said, that it would be ideal to have this and then switch it off, to say that, that children then are – Maybe not better off than plant based, or even that. Could could children be better off with a non plant based diet and then switch to plant based in adulthood? That that's kind of what I was wondering about that. Oh well, I mean, so it turns out, which kind of um, which was surprising, is that vegetarian kids actually grow up taller, actually about an inch taller oh, really? than non vegetarian kids. Um, and of course, they're a lot less wider as well, um, lower rates of, of childhood obesity. Um, and so that's curious. We're not exactly sure why. I mean, um, so uh, so I mean, the uh, the ideal is to have kind of normal growth signaling, um, and you you know, and not this excessive growth signaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what you want to turn off, and so you can get normal growth throughout puberty to adulthood, and then just you know maintain. You know, put to put to pasture as many cells as your um, as your uh, you know as are dividing, and just kind of maintain the status quo and keep your healing processes going. And, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's the ideal. And we do that by, you know, eating healthy primarily. Okay, and I want to talk about some specific food stuff, practical stuff. Um, but before we leave this topic of longevity and living forever, uh, your book's called How Not to Die. What do you think about the – and Rich Roll, who of course interviewed you a few weeks ago, talked about that in the beginning of it and the argument that must have happened, whether it should be how not to die or how to not die. Um, he just put out a follow-up episode basically saying that everybody dies and we've got to face that and we need to deal with that. In the longevity circles, you know, they're talking about uh, 
the idea of not dying one day that that maybe we can get to this point where we where oh, we are so good yeah, at extending sure. life. I mean, sure. what do you think about I, all that? Is that crazy? Yeah, yeah. No, it's like the yeah, all the Kurzweil work. No, sure. Um, it, it I mean, it's very possible. I mean, just given the speed of biotech innovation. So, for example, if you look, I mean, so if one can look at the technological sphere. Um, at the rate at which processing power in computers, for example, um, you know, over the last few decades, you know, what, uh, you know, used to, you know, the computer that used to take up the whole floor of a building is now on our wrist, you know. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, there seems to be the beginnings of the similar kind of speed in the biotech world. We finally have the genome um, sequence, and now we're just trying to figure out, you know, these epigenetic switches turning genes on and off. But if we get a similar kind of ramp up in technological know-how, then, you know, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's not crazy to think that, you know, give us 50 years, and we can just stop the aging process. And now that sounds like science fiction, like crazy, but you have to take a step back and say, wait a second. You and I started out as a microscopic dot called a fertilized egg, literally. If a fertilized egg was like a little bag of jelly, right, which is uh, about 0.1 millimeters, you can barely see it with a naked eye. If that can turn into the human brain, I mean, if that can turn into you, whole, then, oh, my God, stopping aging is like seems like the most trivial little detail, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's just that we just got to figure out, you know, I mean, there's certainly nothing, you know, bio, there's no biological limits or anything. It's just these are the, I mean, we didn't, didn't have to worry about living to 100 years old because the cyber, saber-toothed tiger, you know, took care of that way before, you know. Um, you know, we died of infection way before we had to worry about that. Um, so, so yeah, all right, give us 50 years. Um, and, you know, all we have to do is prolong life one year. And in that one year, we, uh, you know, we'll do more research right. and prolong it a year and a day. Yep. And then the, you live forever. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the question is, so if, if we live 50 more years, we may be able to live for as long as we want. Okay. So for those, so is living fifty years possible? Yeah, living fifty years is possible, um, but you got to eat really healthy, and you got to take really good care of yourself, and wear bike helmets, and practice safer sex, and all that stuff down down the list. Um, and you know there could be a chance. I mean that's not what I talk about in the book, right? I'm talking about how not to die. Of course, it's of prematurely course. in pain after long chronic disabling illness, but you know. Inter and, you know, if um, science continues as it is, it's possible that how not to die could turn into how to not die if you're good enough care of yourself. <laughs> That's where I was going to go. If only we had a book out there that, that, would, that would get us for those next 50 years. So, um, of course, of course we do. And, and I think a lot of people listening to this could use how, how not to die, uh, help them get the, those next 50 years. All right, let's go uh, to food really quick. I, at the beginning of that ritual podcast, you, you talked about your definition of whole foods. And or whole foods versus processed food. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you said you said you thought that anything where the bad stuff had been removed and the good stuff added in that case could still be considered a whole food. If, am I not? Am I? Is that accurate? Yeah, well, yeah. Or um, uh, yeah. So when I say um, when I say processed, I'm defining that as nothing, a bad added, nothing good taken away. 
And so there's lots of things that are actually processed but just don't fit my definition of process. So I have this very kind of nuanced definition. And it's not that I don't think it's processed. Like I don't understand the English language. It's just that um, when I say eat unprocessed foods, I'm including within that, you know, a whole bunch of foods that are actually processed. And so I'm just – it's definition for my – for when I make recommendations. And so, yeah, so there's, there's a bunch of processed foods um, that uh, would fit that, uh, would fit the definition, definition as quote unquote unprocessed um, given my guidelines. Good. Okay. And, and the, the example you gave there was uh, cocoa powder that they, that when the cocoa butter, this high saturated fat part is removed, you're considering that a non-processed food uh, because it's, it's, you know, the, the healthful part is left and the unhealthy part is gone. Right. So you just made something healthier. I mean, the only reason I care that people are staying away from processed foods because it's less healthy, right? Mm-hmm. But you show me a processed food that's more healthy, well, bring it on. It's not like I have some some bias against things that are processed. I have a bias against things that hurt you because I'm a doctor, right? I mean, so, sure. Yeah. So my question, though, is does that get dangerous? Like I think I think in, uh, in Forks Over Knives, Dr. T. Colin Campbell talks about how uh, with with whole milk, they they remove the or when they make skim milk, they remove the fat, which you know was thought and some still think, of course, is the unhealthy part. But that actually, when you do that, the percentage that is now the the casein uh, has increased. So, is it at all dangerous that that we can think? And and isn't that like kind of what a lot of went wrong with processed food when we thought we were adding good stuff to it, but in fact, it it wasn't useful or made that whole food then you know, sort of worthless to the body because now it was such this unnatural thing that supposedly we added healthy things to. Like like maybe, I don't know, I just, for me it seems like the default is always let's not mess with it at all and our body's probably going to know what to do with it because it has, has evolved to do that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? Okay, so I think that is a good first step. As a good kind of uh, guideline going into things is, okay, let's kind of start out with kind of how nature intended, and then and, until proven otherwise, let's go with that. Okay, I like that. Okay, so we evolved barefoot. Until proven otherwise, I'm not going to wear shoes. But it turns out shoes are really awesome for not stepping on nails and stuff, so I wear shoes. But, you know, okay, for people to say we should never wear – okay, so someone says, um, you know, we, sunlight is it's probably good for us. Um, well, that makes sense because we kind of evolved baking in the sun, running around naked in equatorial Africa all day. Okay, that's uh, until proven otherwise. Then, you know, let's do that. But then, okay, we lose the ozone layer. And now we're concerned about melanoma and stuff. Um, so I like that as, initi- as, a, as a first salvo. And then we got science. And then we can be like, all right, but it turns out that it's actually better for X, Y, and Z if you, you know, um, if you tweak it. If you actually put some shoes on. If you actually, you know, chlorinate the water supply so you don't die of cholera. You know, mm-hmm. wait a second. We never chlorinated the water supply for millions of years. Okay, but uh, we also, uh, you know, had a you know life expectancy of about 29. <laughs> right, right. Okay, good. So the answer then is, is as long as we remain mindful and apply science, um, you know, and make sure that, that these things that we are adding, that, that they actually are uh, not just in theory making it better, but actually truly are from empirical science. Then, I mean, is that, the, is that sort of the rule of thumb there? Oh, it's just it's the best available balance of evidence, 
Right now, what does the best available balance of evidence say? I mean, how else can we make important decisions for ourselves and our families except based on the best available evidence? Now, some people, you know, invoke, you know, supernatural, you know, okay, look, if, I mean, if you, if, if the Martians tell you that you, you shouldn't eat gluten or something, well, who am I to argue with your Martians? But if you care about the science, okay, well, then, then I, I can be useful. Okay, so to the to the layperson uh, who, who's not likely going to read journal articles, uh, you know, or at least understand them the way that someone like you would, how does that person deal with the conflicting information? Right, because they can go to nutritionfacts.org and find great stuff and be totally on board, and then they can go find someone else who's recommending something else and has has brought up the science that that supports their case. And I'm not saying that you only bring up the science that supports your case, um, but but of course there are plenty of those who do that. How does how does one separate that and make the decision when there's conflicting, you know, directly conflicting information that they're getting from the internet? Yeah, no. So that's that's uh, that is a really tough thing to do, and so it's really unfortunate that people who push pseudoscience, right? They they make claims supposedly based on science because you know, and so they say, um, you know, buy my, you know, whatever. You know, whatever I'm selling, mm-hmm. uh, buy my coconut oil because there's science showing that coconut oil is good for you. Um, and here's look, here's some citations. Here's look, I've got more citations than you do, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, like you know, you know. Um, so, but you got, I mean, but you actually have to look at the primary sources. Um, and now, so you say, well, wait a second, I don't know medical ease, uh, you know. And certainly there are barriers to even getting the literature in the first place, but I do put links to all the papers, um, uh, many of which are available full text online. And you can just look at basic stuff. I mean, it is in, if you can, you may not understand some of the big words and some of the, you know, esoteric technical work, but you get a sense of like, all right, here's what the graph shows. It looks like it's supported by X, Y, Z. I mean, it's really not sophisticated when the pseudoscience people it's not like they 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 pick out some subtleties of a paper and and you know that you wouldn't know i mean many of these people that promote these ridiculous diets they quote the science and if you actually dig up the paper it's obvious from reading the extract which is like the first little paragraph which kind of summarizes the paper that in some cases not only does it not support the the supposition at all it actually the opposite like <laughs> like it actually says the opposite of what it originally said now this is not limited to you know i mean so you see this in uh uh god i saw it with um uh, in the you know vegetarian vegan movement uh, pushing forth all sorts of absolute rubbish nonsense and and citing scientific papers that said did not support it or said the opposite of it and it's just like what do you you know that's i mean it, you know it's just i mean eventually it'll the truth will come out and you'll lose absolutely all credibility right right, right. i mean so you just can't you know and you know and if you do that once nothing out of your mouth ever again will be believed Right. So you just can't, you know, we now live in a very kind of transparent world. And so, look, if I cited an article um, and, you know, and I and I, you know, made stuff up or I or I twisted the science in any way, someone would write a comment underneath be like, <laughs> wait a second, here's the paper. Look, here's a little snapshot of the paragraph and it says the opposite. Like, 
that would happen in like an hour of a video going up, right? Sure. And, you know, and look, sometimes that does happen. I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's been some really terrible flubs. I, uh, probably the worst, I mean, one of the worst things is I got confused between uh, 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 green algae and blue green algae. I confused, I thought chlorella was, uh, I don't know, I forget what, but it was just some obvious major misunderstanding and I had to take down the video, and I redid the video, and like it's just because look, that that wasn't my area of expertise, and I made a total crazy mistake. But it happened like people pointed it out, and I fixed it. <laughs> like you know, yeah, which is that which is how it's supposed to work, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. All right, good. So uh, for a few specific examples, uh, I found interesting your what you had to say about alcohol and coffee in the book. Um, being mostly mostly against alcohol, saying that that the health benefits, what, the ones that there were, didn't seem to uh, didn't seem to happen in people who were who were already otherwise pretty healthy, right. which was interesting because uh, of course that's everyone's favorite excuse is that it's good for us. Right. Um, coffee though seems seems like something that that is worthwhile for extending life for older uh, people at least. Um, uh, not when taking the opportunity cost to, into account, right? Every cup of coffee is a lost opportunity to drink a cup of green tea. Green tea is healthier. Okay. So I recommend, I don't recommend drinking coffee because you could drink something else. Now, so, but is drinking coffee bad for you? No. Uh, um, uh, and has this variety of health benefits. It also has some potential downsides, increased risk of, uh, you know, reflux disease can, you know, uh, um, uh, increase urinary incontinence in some people and interfere with sleep quality, you know, some other things at the same time. It saves lives on the road, keeping truck drivers awake. And I mean, there's, you know, I mean, there's, you know, again, you know, foods aren't good, aren't bad. They're better. They're worse. Um, and so you find ways to just move the needle a little bit, you know, I mean, even if it's a matter of, okay, I'm going to stop drinking soda or something, all of a sudden your diet just got healthier or tweaking one thing for another. Um, so instead of, you know, yeah, you're eating five servings a day, but you're eating, um, you know, lettuce and bananas. Okay. Wouldn't it be, I mean, you know, so moving to, you know, uh, you know, uh, some dark green leafy and berries, for example. Even if you eat the same amount of fruits and vegetables, to be healthier, we can all kind of subtly, slowly improve our diets over time, and uh, we'll accrue, you know, significant benefit because of it. Okay, and quickly because I know we're running out of time, um, is is oil, olive oil, or any kind of other supposedly healthy oil, uh, is that included in one of those foods that that for you can be removed? Uh, and as long as you know, and easily be replaced by something healthier. No, they they uh, that fits by definition of processed foods has something good taken away, right? You take, imagine a walnut compared to walnut oil. You just eliminated all the water soluble um, uh, vitamins. You wiped out all the fiber. I mean, you're removing good stuff. And so, um, um, vegetable oils are considered uh, in my the system that I came with this traffic light system. These are uh, considered red light foods. Um, meaning ideally we would not eat them ever um, because they're ultra-processed foods. Um, uh, but uh, there are some yellow light um, oils such as extra virgin olive oil, um, which is not considered an ultra-processed food like fruit juice, another yellow light food. It is a processed food, meaning we should try to minimize its consumption um, uh, and actually eat whole fruit instead of um, 
uh, uh, you know, a fruit juice, for example, or mm-hmm. olives. Olives are fruits. Why? Eat it? So olive oil is worse than olive juice because then they take the water soluble components, throw it in a ditch. You just get the water soluble, I mean, the fat soluble components. So you get some vitamin E, you get some phytonutrients, but you're just missing out. And you're getting a whopping dose of calories. You know, you get 100 calories in a tablespoon. You know how much 100 calories of broccoli is? You know how much 100 calories of strawberries is? You only have a few thousand calories for the day in the calorie bank. You want to waste 100 of them? Maybe, you know, uh, 5% of your calories for the entire day on some, uh, uh, you know, uh, on, on, on very little nutrition? That doesn't, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I'm, I think it's good to get that message out there for sure. All right, Michael. Last question. I know you got to go. Um, it'll give us a chance to explain what these footsteps have have, uh, have been that I've heard here and there during the interview. What we, I mean, the focus here has been on food, and of course, in the book, so much is about food. You give some examples about smoking and things like that as well. But what else? What else is is part of the health picture? What are the big pieces besides food for somebody who's already eating really healthy, not smoking? What are the big pitfalls that they, you know, need to avoid just to kind of avoid this this dying early? Um, avoid sitting. So avoid inactivity. So there's benefits not only to physical activity but to avoiding physical inactivity. So studies show that people who sit on average six hours a day, even if they then go to the gym after work and do an hour um, so an hour of daily exercise, which, you know, is about triple the current recommendations for physical activity, mm-hmm. um, uh, they, um, they still suffer greater mortality because as we were not um, uh, meant to sit that long. It actually does bad things to our endothelium, to the inner lining of our blood vessels, having that sluggish kind of stagnant blood flow in our lower limbs. Um, and so we need to move. And so that's what you're hearing in the background is me on a treadmill desk. I'm walking about 17 miles a day just because I'm, uh, I want to I keep moving and keep uh, pumping out this life-changing, life-saving information. And so I want to be around for a little while. Good. Well, I certainly hope you are. This has been a pleasure for me. Uh, I'd love to have you back on sometime. And uh, really, everyone, check out How Not to Die. It looks like an amazing book to me from what I've seen. And uh, you know, I, I hope it's obvious from this interview just, just how deep uh, your, your base of knowledge goes. So thank you so much for writing this book, for doing what you do, and for, for coming on our podcast. Keep up the good work yourself. Looking forward to coming back. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.